This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording as always from the home studio. Very glad to have on. As Mike is, I don't think I have bags on nearly enough, but he's got his own podcast, so I kind of like let him do his own thing with Brisby, but we got to get him on the TK Show now. Uh... The one and only Giants beat writer for the Athletic, Andrew Baggerly. Bags, how you doing today? Hi, Tim. This should be fun. Normally, I'm on with Grant Brisby, who uh, can take me all kinds of wacky directions. <laughs> so uh, might not like give you that whatever he does with a number every time or whatever. I'm not, right, not, I yeah. don't have. I can't pull those things. We'll, we'll save those for the unique Brisby view of this world. Uh, we'll we'll do our own thing here, Bags. Uh, I gotta yeah, I'll absolutely bring up that Farhan Zaidi had his wrap up presser which i was kind of surprised he did it you know he kind of really did it friday at, you know when he was announcing the firing of gabe capital i guess this is the kind of the official one bags you were there was back in the giants dugout those crowded confines of the giants dugout with the cameras and everything um was it a different tone for farhan was it was it similar what, what was what was your general impressions of, of zaidi today for zaidi's second wrap-up presser basically yeah, I mean, he just opened it to questions, basically. And, you know, most of the beat writers are there, the columnists that you know. And then at these things, there's always the opportunists that you haven't seen all season who just <laughs> decide that, you know, if there's still a grandstanding to do, they'll be only happy to partake. And, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of the questions were, were, you know, good questions about, um, you know, what the team is going to look like next year and how you get more athletic when you are still going to have probably have 15 to 20 of these players back as part of next year's team. And then obviously, uh you know, uh, there were a lot of questions asked about the manager search and what form that's going to take and, and how it's going to be sort of, uh, um, you know, what we can expect from a timing standpoint. He's not going to get into every candidate, but, but you know, he did say a couple things that left some decent clues. One of them uh, was that he wants uh, the manager to be in place before the start of free agency because they feel like having a manager who can help to recruit free agents is going to be a really important part of the job. And I, to me, I thought that was very much a sort of tacit acknowledgement that maybe that wasn't one of the former guys' strengths, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and maybe they need to try a little bit harder because they're, they've got a little bit of brand damage as much as they say, oh, this is one of the best jobs in baseball. This is you know, the best ballpark in baseball, wonderful city. You know, they, they <laughs> have run things in a way that will make a lot of potential free agents look at the Giants and say, Hey, am I going to sign there as an everyday player and be pinch hit for after I hit a home run in the seventh inning? I'm going to be lifted for a pinch hitter in the eighth. I mean, is, is that really what I'd be signing up for? I think there's going to be a lot of doubts in some people's minds, and they know that it's going to be imperative 
that they have a management team on board that can, you know, maybe give confidence to those free agents that might have those those lingering doubts. So, you know, it, this is all going to happen fairly quickly. It's it, they don't have a whole lot of time before you know free agency. will be honest before we know it. But um, so so we got some clues there. I think maybe if there's one sort of news peg that you'd put on the entire session, which lasted about maybe 45 minutes, was, oh. you know, was Farhan saying that, um, you know, they are looking at Marco Luciano as being uh, right now on 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 uh, the way things stand at the moment. Uh, he would be the guy they'd look to to be an everyday shortstop next year. Uh, so, you know, that's that's uh, definitely something I think we were wondering about, especially as it pertains to, you know, the, the legacy of Brandon Crawford at that position and who's going to inherit it next. And then apart from that, I think it was just a lot of, um, you know, sort of uh, big picture type uh, philosophical type questions. But but really the news, I think, was what the mechanics of the manager search are going to look like, what the timing of that's going to be. And then the news about Luciano uh, and just that they look at him as the incumbent at that spot, which, you know, David VR was the incumbent third baseman <laughs> for a time. So, you know, th- those pronouncements aren't, you know, that that concrete hasn't tried, you know, it, it, it's uh, that those things can change. But for now, I thought that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big statement. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it makes sense. At least give it a try. But no, you, let's go back to that. The, the comment that you flagged is being very interesting. And I do find it very interesting about a manager who can maybe help and recruit free agents. And I, you know, we don't want to parse this out and and maybe, you know, try to over, you know, analyze something that he maybe was a little bit just kind of crossing his mind, but I think it's poor. He said it in a press conference uh, about the future, about the manager. Had you ever heard, not, I don't want to, again, I just certainly don't want to bl- blame or pin it all on Gabe Kapler, but had you heard intonations of this that this you know maybe wasn't exactly uh, whether let's just say the clubhouse wasn't something that some you know really interesting free agents might have considered that there was any kind of sense of this well you know i've I've talked to agents who've been in on meetings and they've said that sometimes they can be a little bit stilted the meetings can be not quite as i mean you know we really shouldn't like just like throw gabe kapler under the bus here i mean he's got a lot of really good qualities he was manager of the year in 2021 there's a reason for that uh there's a lot of really good things that he could bring to an organization from an administration standpoint but easy charisma is not one of Mm -hmm. his strengths he's not someone who makes people feel at ease and i think when you are meeting a manager for the first time or you're getting an introduction to an organization you know, you want to have a meeting that just feels like you're falling in with old friends. You know, it's it's uh, all of that really makes a first impression on free agents. And it's not to say that that was just, you know, a terrible, um, uh, absolute, you know, uh, weakness on his part, but it just, it wasn't one of his strengths. And uh, I think that, you know, there is a little bit of acknowledgement that, you know, they need somebody who can be the manager of this team and and be personable and, and be um, relatable. And I think that's important for free agents. That's important for the players they have right now. It's important for fans who need to feel more connected to the product on the field. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, it's the proof is going to be in who they bring in and who they hire. I mean, and, and maybe they're going to bring in somebody who you think, wow, this is not much of a change. Or maybe they bring in somebody who. Uh, really, you, you realize, hey, this person has some more old school mentalities. Um, there's going to be some pushback on some of these daily decisions when it comes to the lineup or when it comes to, you know, pitching decisions, or what have you. Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they hire to manage this team, because that's probably going to be the biggest clue to how this team is going to be run next year. Absolutely. I mean, it was a big clue about the way Barhan took the job, right? It was Gabe Kapler was his 
real big hire. That was the moment. You know, who's it going to be? And it was always Gabe Kapler. I'll, let's put it on both. I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't like just putting it on Gabe Kapler. I mean, Farhan Zaidi in a very different way maybe isn't as relatable, uh, you know, to players as other GMs might be. You know, that entire situation maybe wasn't the one where they felt the most relaxed. Now, obviously, dollars are always going to command, you know, the, the most, be the most important thing. But I, I sense that it was almost like, you know what, if we're going to have a GM who's a little bit more into the numbers and analytics and they didn't play and all those things that we know and doesn't matter, you know, when you're just, it's wins and losses, but maybe it's something that is accounted for. You kind of need a manager who's more, as you say, relatable, a manager who can make people feel more comfortable. I think Gabe made Farhan feel comfortable, right? That was always a pretty good relationship. But do you sense that, in, you know, the ownership is hinting, suggesting, or just telling Farhan you know, maybe you got to be a little bit more like this too. You got to open up a little bit. I think so. I mean, I think that's my assumption. And he said, I have to look at, at the way I do things and I have to look at, uh, you know, challenge my own, uh, you know, priorities or perceptions or, or ways that, uh, that he's gone about doing the job. And, and to be honest, when, when I look at what went wrong with this team, and I, I say this in a very macro way, they just didn't have enough pushback. The players did not push back hard enough when the season started to get away from them, the manager didn't push back enough on the analysts and the front office decisions. You know, you need to have healthy, robust debate sometimes. And, and that, that means having people who are good communicators and aren't afraid to express their opinions and aren't afraid to put an opinion out there that they know is, you know, maybe people aren't going to agree with, you know, uh, it's very easy to just be passive aggressive about everything and 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 be conflict averse and want everybody to get along. Uh, but you know, it, it, when things are going great, that's fine. You leave it alone. That's what twenty twenty one was all about. But last year, this past season was not twenty twenty one, and they needed some people who were willing to say, you know, I'm I'm going to push back against this. I think we should do this instead. And um, there just wasn't enough of that. Uh, and and I think that. Uh, you know, this team became a little bit too okay with with losing because they felt good about their process the whole time. Well, we had a good process. Well, you know, that's fine. But when you've lost 26 out of, you know, 32 road games, uh, you probably need to do something a little more uh, um, more than just uh, feel good about your process. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's just an entire cultural attitude that probably needs to change. And, and the manager, I think always, we always put a little bit too much in terms of how much influence a manager really has on wins and losses. But I think a manager does have a lot to do with culture setting. And, uh, and, and a lot of that is, is the players you choose too. I mean, absolutely. you know, the, 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 you know, Farhan Zaidi made the, his highest paid player, uh, a guy who was a platoon DH and fit his system, uh, you know, in Chuck Peterson, uh, giving him the qualifying offer. So I think some different choices need to be make, made across the board uh, for the Giants to have the kind of team full of guys that say, you know what, we're, we're pushing back here. No, we're, we're not going to lose this game. You got to seek out people who might push back, right? I mean, yeah, you, sure. you know, like uh, it's not the most comfortable thing, but ideas don't just come out of nowhere. Like there's people have them and you bring them in, you go, your different ideas might be interesting. And it's a, the manager is going to be a huge sign for that bags. Like one thing I'm noting is even though it felt like a long time, it probably was a pretty quick kind of process to get Gabe Kapler from, you could get in the wild card and you're the guy to you're fired. And I I'm feeling that more like it, it did happen quickly, at least in the giants minds that they kind of had to go through the process fast and, I think your stories from the clubhouse were like the accelerant, which is important because they were accurate. They were good. They were informative. Uh, and it also kind of triggered a lot of 
thinking. Did, in your sense, do you think that? I mean, I, no, don't. I'm not begging you to put you slap yourself on the back here, but I'm doing it. Just do you think? Just the mood from the clubhouse was something the front office wasn't aware of and got aware of quickly or kind of knew and didn't really do. Where do you think this kind of pace of this occurred? Because it feels like now that it was not something they were plotting for two, surely not plotting for a month or two. This kind of happened quickly, at least in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I've covered teams that have had, you know, clubhouses really sort of descend into into finger pointing and, and things get really messy and you know, there were a few things that I think were in a couple of my stories. Uh, you know, Susan Slusser in one of her stories quoted a player anonymously saying, you know, that Gabe Kapler, you really can't lose a clubhouse that he never had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and then the player immediately walked back the quote saying, oh, that's a little too, a little too strong, but you kind of get my drift. And I thought that was, you know, very emblematic of what's gone on. And honestly, a lot of just the on the record quotes from Logan Webb, from Mikey Stremski, yep. uh, from, from the middle of August on, they were saying the same things about we don't have enough accountability, we don't have enough pride. When you're saying that on in the middle of August, then you're saying it in the middle of se- September, then you're still saying it at the end of the year. That means none of that was really addressed. And uh, I, I think if you would just like strip their names off those quotes and you were to run them all as anonymous quotes, then it would have been a total bombshell story, mm-hmm. you know. But but the fact that they said that stuff on the record almost made it seem a little more innocuous than. Uh, or not innocuous, but uh, less controversial. And and really, they were just saying it right out in the open, on the record, you know, after games. And uh, and that those are just not good uh, statements about just the health of the clubhouse and 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 the, the leadership there. So um, yeah, it, you know, was it accelerant? I don't know. I'm not really sure anyone ever gets fired because somebody played Bob Marley music after <laughs> losses in a clubhouse. I mean, it's it's a, it's a sort of a, an anecdote that's a little bit of, of an emblematic uh, thing. You know, it's like, well, they just took losing too easily. Yep. You know, hey, let's it's okay. Let's wash it off. Let's get them tomorrow. That's what you say after losses, but you don't necessarily sort of double down by you know you know playing mood music after losses. So so you know, I I, I think to me that I don't know if it was really something that that accelerated any of this as much as it just sort of you know gave a window into just some of the issues that were going on and um you know it's uh it's a tough thing to report on a team when when things aren't going well you know and 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 you know it's uh, it's an office space like like any other and you have office politics and there will never be a clubhouse where there isn't people where there aren't people grumbling over roles or there aren't people who are upset or feel that they're not being utilized correctly. I mean, that's every office environment you ever walk into. So you try not to overemphasize stuff like that when you hear it, but when there's enough of it and it's consistent and and things aren't changing, um, then then you realize that uh, you know they they may have to do something. Now I asked you this privately before and I thought your answer was so telling and maybe you can get the same one. I I assume you will. I asked you what was the reaction you got? Did you get one when you were writing about Jock Peterson playing, you know, cards and the Bob Marley music? You know, did you get any blowback? Uh, I'll ask it again. What was the reaction in there when you wrote those stories? I actually had more than one person uh, affiliated with the organization and even in the clubhouse uh, who like were almost thankful that I wrote those stories, yeah. <laughs> which yep. is not is not really something that I'm I've encountered before. 
Um, but I think that, you know, to an extent, they, they knew that a change had to happen. I don't think anyone disliked Gabe Kapler so much that they were going to come out and say, he's the problem. He's got to go. I mean, person to person, Gabe, I think, really did work hard to cultivate relationships. And insofar as he felt comfortable doing it, uh, you know, on a one to one basis with people. But, you know, it's I think they realized that a lot of the changes that they want to see it's it's going to be hard to do that unless there was, you know, a change in leadership. So, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone who was like, oh, thank God Gabe Kepler's gone. You know, you, I didn't hear anybody say anything like that to me. But um, it, 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 you heard enough dissatisfaction uh, that you realize for them to get where they need to go and to sort of reset, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the culture, it, it was going to have to take something like this happening. All right, so we get Farhan Zaidi, who is very clear that he understands he has to do things differently. Uh, he makes it very clear we got to win, and you've got to produce a product that fans want to go buy tickets for. Uh, these are you know pretty clear utterances from someone who has worked in kind of differently in the past. So what is Farhan Zaidi, presumably on a lame duck year, unless they extend him? You know, I, I, they could secretly extend him a year. We've all seen that before, but. Stating that, like, you know, could be on a lame duck here. What's Farhan's ID 2.0 going to be like, Bags? Do you have any guesses? Is he, is he going to, are there going to be things other than the manager hire? We've already talked about that. And I'm sure, and obviously that's big. But what are the things you're going to, you know, that you can say, I'm expecting a, a different kind of thing from Farhan? Well, the one thing that he's mentioned off the bat is fewer short-term contracts and more long-term contracts. Mm. The, the problem is that they're entering a free agency where there just aren't a whole lot of choices. And, you know, Cody Bellinger fits what they want uh, in a lot of different ways. He's also a guy who's coming off a huge season, uh, and he really, really struggled the several seasons before that. So, um, you know, you, you don't want to get into an offseason where you're sort of on tilt a little bit where you know you know somebody is is making different risk assessments because they realize that hey if it doesn't work out a year from now all these long-term contracts are not going to be my problem they're going to be the problem of whoever <laughs> replaces me i mean right you you have to go for it and you're, you're almost pot committed right so you you have to just uh just just go for it and um and and so i i assume that they're going to be in on uh, several free agents on long-term contracts. I really do think that they're going to look for a pitcher at the top of the market, not somebody who's going to sign for one year and an option. Uh, I think they feel like they've got a lot of depth in, in terms of their young pitching. Uh, but but maybe, you know, if they could find, hey, if they could sign uh, Yamamoto from Japan, that would be that would be a huge get for them. And then you've got um, Webb and now and you, I mean, Alex Cobb had a great year, but he also was going for a second opinion on his hip and yep. and he's missed a lot of time. And he's going to be a year older. So yeah, I think they need to get another front of the rotation presence and, and that may allow them to deal from uh, their, their pitching uh, for, for young hitting and feel a little bit better about that. So, but you know, he's, he said, look, you know, 15 or 20 of these guys are going to be back on next year's team. And Wilmer Flores is under contract, you know, Mikey Stremski, Lamont Wade Jr., uh, uh, JD Davis, Austin Slater, these guys are all arbitration eligible. Um, you know, and, and there are some people in there that you really don't want playing all around the diamond or, or you might prefer to have it at DH and they really want to be a better defensive club, but they've, They've made the trade-off time and time again uh, to, you know, uh, maybe put somebody who's a lesser defender on the field if they feel like they can get more offensive production out of them. And, you know, they may have to just sort of ride and die with some of their younger players, like a Tyler Fitzgerald, like a, a Marco Luciano, and, and just wait for the bat to develop in the big leagues if they feel that they're getting plus defense. So, um, you know, it's 
I, I thought one thing that Farhan said that made a lot of sense. Um, he was talking about uh, sort of their brand of baseball and how you know they did all these small things to try to win at the margin. Some of it really frustrated the heck out of people, pinch hitting for somebody after they hit a homer in their previous at bat, whatever. But you can't play small and try to win at the margins and try to extract every advantage. And at the same time, you're shooting yourself in the foot by throwing to the wrong base, by getting picked off, by you know uh, making errors. Uh, they have to really execute all the small stuff on the field as well. Uh, otherwise, it's just like, why are we pinch hitting for this guy in the ninth inning when you know it's we're behind six to two, and and that's because of all the small errors we made. So it's going to be up to them to tighten things up. I think across the board. Uh, and, and if they do that, then, then maybe, you know, everything else they do will have a chance of working in a little bit better concert. No, we're talking about ownership messages to Zayini maybe and ownership wanting, you know, more fans who are interested in what's going on here, buying tickets and watching on TV. Okay. Does ownership have the commitment to say if it's going to cost another $50 million, another $70 million to the payroll next season? And one guy might cost about that. There's one guy who could just be right there. Uh, do they have the wherewithal that they're going to be able to jack up this uh, payroll bags? You have any sense on that? I, you know, I, I think so. They were obviously willing to spend three hundred fifty million dollars on Carlos Correa, so that's why I think that they will, you know, not shy away from spending money this off season, even if they they realize that some of these choices may not be, you know, the best choices several years down the road. But you look at the Padres, man, the Padres. Had a hugely disappointing year, more disappointing than the Giants, given what they spent. But Petco Park was the place to be to watch baseball, you know, uh, this past season. I mean, uh, you know, the crowds are among the best in baseball. They, I mean, it's it's a destination, you know, that they had probably the best concessions and food in Major League Baseball. They put on a great show. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, you, winning is the most important thing at the end of the day. And and Farhan uh, repeated that again. He said, hey, if, if it's a winning product, it's going to be a compelling product. But I don't think that's enough. I, I really don't. And and I, I, I base that partially on watching the Padres and how much enthusiasm was behind them, even in a disappointing year, because they were so much fun to watch and had so much star power. And also, I, I look at the fact, and we know there are lots of other reasons for this, but 2021, the Giants won 107 regular season games. And in 2022, it ain't like they sold the joint out, right? So um, I, 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 don't, I don't think winning's enough. I think they got to be compelling. I think they got to have some swag or some star power and, and, and you know, be able to attract uh, people to the ballpark in a lot of other ways, maybe even non-baseball ways by getting better food in there, by getting better entertainment in there, um, you know, making refreshing the game experience a little bit, making it easier for people to get in and out, you know, and uh, not just uh, relying on people to to find a parking spot on spot hero or whatever, but, but really doing more to get people in the door, ease, ease access and, and put on a show, you know, put on a, a show at that ballpark. So it's still a beautiful ballpark, but I think that, uh, you know, the experience when you compare it to a place like San Diego is a little stale. So, um, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of challenges, but the Giants have to make themselves compelling again. And winning is the easiest way to do that, but it's not the only thing and it can't really stop there either. Great points. Uh, I think I think ownership is thinking this way and it is up to them to commit some money to it. Member of ownership, he's on all the committees. It's Buster Post. He's the name that comes up a lot. Um I don't expect him to, you know, take on a full-time role, at least not now. But do you think his voice is being heard in there? Do you think his voice has might have even been heard, you know, as they made this decision with Gabe Kapler? I'm not saying that he would have pushed for it, but is this someone who you're hearing about having more influence in the data? We know he's moved back to the Bay Area. 
Uh, but is is this a guy to keep an eye on for helping to push the Giants to where they're going to go? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, Buster is not somebody who is going to force himself into the conversation. He's somebody who's going to lay back and 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 you know, notice things, observe things, share thoughts when those thoughts are asked of him. He's on the board, so those thoughts are going to be asked of him. You know, Farhan has said that you know uh, that Buster is going to be someone who meets with managerial candidates, and uh, you know, he was one of the people who was on the board, and the board at large accepted. Uh, Farhan's recommendation, as as they've explained the mechanics of this, went uh, to fire Gabe. So, you know, I, I I don't think that Buster stood in the way of this certainly, and yeah, I think he's going to have a lot of influence, and 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 we know that uh, Greg Johnson uh, is is very very much uh, someone who wants to keep uh, Buster's ear very close by. I think Buster had a lot to do with with some of uh, what happened on the competition committee. Um, you know, Buster was telling me, you know, five, six years ago that he was hoping that there would be something uh, along the lines of what Pitchcom became. Uh, he was a big fan of something like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of trust that Buster Posey has a very good sort of internal, I guess, thermometer for what's good for the game, you know, what's good for fans. And, you know, those are good grounded qualities that I think uh, everyone in the organization who's in a decision-making capacity is going to to look to tap into as often as possible. And that's that's the best kind of influence. It's influence that isn't being forced upon anybody. It's just it's just expertise that's there whenever you need it. And obviously he's going to be close by to uh, to to provide it. What's striking about Logan Webb on the, on the day that Kapler's fire, you know, talking to Clubhouse and just saying, you know, when he was coming up, it was like you saw guys like Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey in the clubhouse and you wanted, you know, they set the standard. You wanted to be like them. And maybe Buster could be like that as, you know, uh, on the on the committee or maybe he could be like that walking around or maybe he can just find players like that. Right. Or, or, or have input into greater kind of commitment to those values. It's going to be interesting if you in five years, would you think Buster is just pretty much in the same position, but with a voice or could he take on a kind of a formal role? Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting thought. I think it's going to be up to, you know, obviously he's got a very young family. Um, there's a reason that he's not playing anymore when he could have. Uh, I, I don't think that he wants to sign up for 162 games. So every time I hear, oh, make Buster the manager, mm -hmm. I'll think, yeah. you do not know Buster Post. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, because it's tough. It's I think it was very tough for him to be away from his family when the seasons would sort of go sideways and you're just sort of punching the clock, you know, the last couple months. I don't think he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to sign up for that. And uh, uh, and that's why I don't think you're going to hear about Buster Posey, uh, the manager. But but yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, he's not somebody who wants to be beholden to be on somebody else's schedule, which is why being an owner is perfect for him. No one can tell him where to go or or, or where to be or or, or, you know, shake hands in this suite, followed by this suite, you know, he can do his own thing. So um, I will tell you, though, I had a light bulb go off today. Um, because uh, Gabe Kapler was talking about internal candidates and how they're going to look at internal Farhan, candidates. Far Farhan was talking about that. Oh, I'm sorry, Farhan. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for catching me. <laughs> you can uh, Farhan was talking about internal candidates and how there may be one or two uh, and we know that, you know, they maybe talk to, to Craig Albernaz, they may talk to Mark Hallberg, maybe Kai Correa, um, you know, uh, Ron Wotus is somebody in the system that I think that would be, you know, a little bit more of a, a difficult fit uh, for for uh, a, a very quanty front office. But 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 he mentioned one other name and he mentioned it while talking about uh, the young players. Uh, and in fact, he said that he spoke to this guy this morning on his way over and it's Pat Burrell. 
Mm. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, I don't know if Pat Burrell wants to manage. I don't know if he wants to sign up for the whole thing either. But in 2010, when the Giants got Pat Burrell, he changed their clubhouse. They had exactly what they tried to foster this past season, which is, hey, don't wash off the losses. It's okay. We'll get them tomorrow. But it was always with that sort of swagger and that professionalism. And I think I think he is enough of uh, a guy who's got the presence, like a Bruce Bochy had the presence. Um, I think he's open-minded to a lot of things that, uh, that can help you win a game in terms of percentage plays. But I think he's also somebody who has a really good eye for talent, um, really a good sense, I think, for how to win a ball game. And I I think he could be a fantastic manager. Uh, I, I really do. I think he could be someone who could could lead a, a clubhouse, um, could manage games with an eye to detail, but also be willing to trust his gut, go his own way, um, not take the bat out of the hands of somebody who's got the hot hand. Um, you know, I I don't know. I the more I think about it, the more I'm like he could really make sense. Uh, but you know, I have no idea if it's something that he'd want to do. He's a minor league uh, instructor. Is that what he is now for the for the Giants? Something like yeah, that? Co- sort sort of like a, a a scout slash roving hitting instructor. Sort of does a little bit of everything. Special assistant type guy. So you know, maybe he wants to stay home. Maybe he doesn't want to sign up for the the grind. It is an absolute grind. Uh, you know, a manager can't take days off, obviously, and. And you sign up for the whole deal, including spring training. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, he's he's probably someone whose whose voice is going to be heard a little bit louder. And uh, it's interesting that he was talking to Farhan this morning. Very interesting. Fair. I like that. I like that. Uh, Bob Melvin's my candidate, of course. But the Padres have to fire him first. So we will we will we will see on that. Uh, we've taken plenty of your time. I won't 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 push you through that one. We will end this with a version of a question I ask all my guests, Andrew Baggerly. What's your favorite book right now? Oh, wow. My favorite book. Um, gosh, during the season, I hardly have any time. No, I know. Read. I know. You could go back. You could go back years if you wish. Just any book that, that just kind of is on your mind right now. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pick up. I've got the big Lord of the Rings trilogy. Nice. And, uh, and nice. sometimes I'll just pick it up and open it up to a random page. And... I almost never like, oh, no, I don't want to read this part. I'll skip to the next one. Wherever I open it up to, I I, I just dive right in. So um, I only say that because I, I did that the other day. Uh, and uh, and it's fun. I, I'm never going to read the whole thing all the way through again. I mean, it's too long, but um, but it's fun I, to skip around. So what did you, that one just comes you, to mind. Yeah, what did you turn to? What book What book did you pick up? Which one of three? Well, I've got all of them smooshed into one oh, book, okay. so so I can I can uh, um, open it anywhere. But I think they were probably in the minds of Moria, maybe. No, I think that's a pretty good part. Yeah. Uh, no, I I reread the whole thing sometimes. It's one of my favorite books. So I love that you mentioned that, and I might just go do that right now. Uh, I can flip through a little bit of when Frodo and and Sam are going through through uh, into uh, Mordor. It's a little long there, but uh, everything else is just incredible and. I, I love the recommendation. All right, Andrew Baggerly, appreciate it so much. Thanks for the conversation as always. Thanks for the great work. Thanks for uh, uh, our, our couple of days I was out there for some interesting stories that we were uh, that were, were happening the last few weeks. Yeah, uh, it's all great and, and great work, Bags. And I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Appreciate the time. Everybody, that's the show for today. <laughs>